Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of the Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Light Beamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Inside Story podcast. I hope you all are doing well. I'm your host, April Adams Pertwee. And let me tell you, this is a true meta type of podcast that I'm about to share with you. This is behind the scenes of the behind the scenes, because in all reality today, I have, I have been working on and practicing and tweaking and, you know, refining a talk that I'm going to be giving, uh, this coming weekend at a mastermind event in San Antonio. And I've been so busy working on the talk that I have been remiss to get an actual podcast recording ready to go for the podcast this week, which in, is this podcast that you're actually listening to. <laughs> so I've been thinking all day, like, okay, I need to stop. I need to stop. I need to stop working on this talk and go and record my planned podcast episode, which actually I didn't really have fully built out and ready. So to be honest with you, behind the scenes of behind the scenes here, I thought, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to share? What am I going to do? And then I thought, why don't I just use the podcast recording as another practice session for my talk that I'm going to give on Saturday. And so that's exactly what I'm going to do. Like, you're just going to hear my talk and of course, my talk is on storytelling and speaking and um, some really fun stories that I have planned to share. And I'm just going to share them with you guys first. And we're just going to use this podcast recording as an opportunity for me to get another practice session in and work out some of my content because it's still, um, you know, just a little rusty and still just kind of refining it. So I don't promise that it's perfect, but, but then again, you know, it's never really perfect. And at the same time, I'll deliver the content to you, you know, and you'll just be like an early listener to the talk that I'm going to give on Saturday. But of course, unless you're there with me on Saturday, you would never hear that talk. But now you're going to hear it because you're here with me now today on the podcast. So I thought that'd be pretty cool. So this weekend, I'm going to be heading to a mastermind event in San Antonio, Texas with about a hundred entrepreneurs who are gathering together to, to grow and to learn and to go deeper into our, into our business and to connect with 
other people and to build our networks and to learn from some really awesome people in various aspects of business. And I get the great pleasure of being one of the people that gets to deliver some content. I'm going to be speaking at this mastermind event. And uh, my talk is all about growth via storytelling and speaking. So again, these are entrepreneurs who are, you know, growing and scaling up to seven figures and beyond. And I get the opportunity of sharing a little bit more of my own story uh, around how to turn your story, how to turn your story into a thriving revenue stream while impacting others. And of course, that's a large part of what I've done here at Lightbeamers is I've simply used storytelling to build a business and storytelling, as you all know, is at the foundation of everything that I do here at Lightbeamers and of course here on the podcast. And so I'm going to be sharing more of that experience and some of my trajectory that I've had over the last several years, uh, specifically with speaking. I'm going to be sharing that with these entrepreneurs. So here's a little bit of what I have planned to share. Now, I do have some visuals that I will be supporting this talk with. And some of these are photos that you're not actually going to see when I share the talk with you. But um, there are going to be some visual aids that I bring to the talk as well. So um, I'll, I'll describe the my visual aids as I dive in here. But one of the first things that I have up on the screen is this picture of an old AM radio. Now, how many of you all actually remember AM radios? And I mean, of course, I'm going to date myself. It depends on your age, if you're even going to know what an AM radio is. But, you know, they say that everything that we ever needed to know, we pretty much learned in kindergarten. And I think that looking back on my life, everything that I needed to know Really, I learned from my grandmother and her AM radio. So one of my favorite, favorite, most fondest memories growing up was spending the night at my grandmother's house. And I, she was, uh, I just loved being at her house. I loved being around her. She was this uber stylish and very classy lady, uh, very poised and well put together. She was definitely the matriarch of our family. And I just adored her. I just thought she was perfect in my eyes. I thought she could, could do no wrong. And every time I got the opportunity to be around her. I felt so seen and loved by her. She was absolutely my favorite person when I was growing up. And I called her Nanny. So Nanny is the is the, the central figure of this story. But when I would go to spend the night at Nanny's house, her and my grandfather didn't sleep in the same bedrooms. And I, I don't know, I think that was kind of common back in those days. But anyway, she had her own bedroom. My grandfather had his own bedroom. And when I would come over to spend the night with her, I got to sleep with her in her bed. And she had this really huge king size bed with these drapes that were very fancy that kind of hung over the bed. It was just very luxurious. And I just felt like a queen when I stayed with her. And so my grandmother's routine <clears throat> was at night when she crawled into bed, she would pull out this old AM radio and put it in the bed with us and she would turn it on. And if you guys remember the AM radio stations, you had to like turn the dial 
on the radio to get the channel to come in, to get the static to go away. And you had to turn it just right to where the dial would land on the right station so that you could get it in clearly. And she and I would turn on that radio station. We would crawl in bed, turn off the lights and snuggle in with each other and hold each other's hands. And she listened to this AM radio station that was talk radio. And at night, um, the, the radio DJs would basically just open up the phone lines and listeners could call in and basically talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. This was talk radio. And so it always started out by, you know, their DJ saying, hi, caller, you're on the air. And after that, the caller would basically talk and share about whatever they wanted to. And they would just dial in to share their story. And some of the stories were hysterical, you know, would totally make us laugh. It would be hysterical stories of just shenanigans that they had going on in their life, you know, some mishap or some crazy thing that had happened in their, in their family or with their friends. And my grandmother and I would just bust out laughing. The stories would make us laugh and, and giggle. And we'd have to like shush each other up because we didn't want to wake up a grandfather in the next room. And then of course, other callers who called in would tell stories that were more heartwarming, some of them even heartbreaking. And they would tell stories about um, great loss or overcoming tragedy or abuse or navigating loneliness through going through a divorce and things of that nature. And those stories equally touched us. They didn't make us laugh, but in some cases they made us cry. And, you know, I would lay there as a, as a young kid. I mean, we're talking maybe seven, eight, nine, ten years old when I was doing this with my grandmother. And I just remember laying there in the dark, not able to see these people. I could only hear their voices coming through on the radio and barely knowing anything about them. I mean, you, maybe you would get their first name, like, hi, I'm Susan and I'm from Ohio. Uh, before Susan would start telling her story. And regardless of not knowing much about these people, hardly knowing where they came from, didn't know if they were white or black or Republican or Democrat or, you know, believers or non-believers or different walks of life and different faiths, whatever it was, you just didn't know unless some of that information came out in their story. And by all accounts, every time these callers would call in and share their story, my grandmother and I would just lay there in the bed and we would feel so connected to these people. Again, people that were not necessarily like us, maybe come from very different walks of life, come from different backgrounds. You didn't know if they were rich or poor or what, but it was the story, right? It was their stories that allowed us to feel connection. And so when I say everything that I ever needed to know, I pretty much learned from my grandmother in this AM radio, this was really where I got that early, early teaching about the importance of storytelling. When I look back on my, on my life and certainly on my career, as I've made a career out of telling stories and helping other people tell their story, the importance of storytelling was made known to me 
right there in my grandmother's bedroom, listening to that AM radio. And that had a profound impact on me because I, I had the opportunity at a very early age to understand that it's people's stories that allow us to connect at a much deeper level. It's not their pedigree. It's not their background. It's not their um, place of origin. It's not the color of their skin. It's not their religious beliefs. It's really their story that allows us to connect with one another. So it's no surprise that I was hooked pretty much at a very early age. And uh, as many of you all know, I ended up going into a career as a journalist and I started my my career as a television journalist working for a string of CBS affiliates across the Southeast. And, um, and I thought this was it, you know, this was going to be the vehicle that I would use to, to tell more people's stories, to get more of these stories out into the world. And little did I know that, Becoming a television journalist would open me up to so many other opportunities because at the time when I was working, um, particularly when I was working at a CBS affiliate in Fayetteville, Arkansas, there was a PR director at the time, a lady who would constantly book us to go out and speak in the pub in the public. And she would book us to, you know, attend like a mayor's breakfast or host, uh, MC an event or, uh, speak at a ribbon cutting or things of that nature. And the thing about it was, was that I, I didn't have a background as a public speaker. I had not been trained to speak in public. I was trained as a journalist and I could definitely talk into a camera, but I felt very, very uncomfortable when I would go out into the public and have to deliver some sort of talk to, to people with eyeballs looking back at me, you know, being in the room. And so, you know, after multiples of these events of going out and attempting to, you know, speak and lead this thing or emcee this event and talk and, and all of that, I, I finally came back to, to her at the television station. And I said, please stop sending me out because I suck at this. You know, my neck would get red. My mouth would feel like it was filled up with cotton and I would stumble. And I, I just, I, I had a lot of filler words and I, you know, I just didn't feel very polished and put together when it came to, to, to speaking in public and especially before a live audience. And so I asked her, I said, you know, stop sending me out. Can you send someone else? I mean, you know, give me the news. I'll report the news. I can stand behind this camera all day long and deliver those reports. But when it comes to going out and speaking in public, I am terrible at it. And it's making me really, really uncomfortable. And I will never, ever forget what she said to me. She said, April, you may or may not continue on as a journalist. I mean, a lot of people in that get their journalism degrees don't necessarily make lifelong journalists. We take those skills and we transfer them to other things like exactly what I have done. And she said, whether or not you, you stay in the public eye or not, um, you need to learn how to speak. It is not about being a, a perfect, polished speaker. It's not about your performance, but as a leader, you will be called on to speak 
and you need to be able to do it with confidence. You need to be able to do it with authority and you need to do it often. And I didn't really know that she knew what she was talking about back then. I just thought, crap, she's going to keep sending me out. And that she did. She kept sending me out and I kept having to go out and speak in public. But in hindsight, that was one of the best things that happened to me because you know what happened? I got the repetition. I got the practice, much like I'm practicing right now by delivering this talk to you on the podcast. You know, just going out and doing it is how you get better at it. And um, I was pretty rusty back in those days. I was really worried about my performance. I wanted You know, I thought I had to have the image of the, you know, the perfectly quaffed journalist to the, you know, to show up with my hair perfect, my makeup perfect, and my, my speech be perfect. And as a result, it put a lot of pressure on me. I put a lot of pressure on me to perform at a very high level. And what really, what she was trying to say to me was like, let go of this idea of perfection and just allow yourself to learn how to speak. Well, little did I know that the first time that I was really going to get a taste of what it was like to just speak from your heart and not worry about your performance, uh, coincidentally, would be at my grandmother's funeral. When Nanny died of cancer, um, I was still working at that television station in Arkansas, and I was called home to to uh, her services. And being the storyteller that I am and the way that I process emotion a lot of times is I write and I write things. I It's easier for me to write my feelings sometimes than it is to speak them at first. And so um, leading up to her funeral, I had sat down the day before and I had poured my heart out onto the page and I had written some things about what my grandmother, Nanny, had meant to me and what the loss was leaving me feeling like. And uh, my family convinced me to actually deliver that piece of writing as a eulogy at her funeral. I was 25 years old. And I can tell you, I can assure you that I lacked I lacked the confidence and I lacked the poise that is really required to stand in front of a live audience like that at your grandmother's funeral and to deliver a a eulogy. But there was something that happened when I did, because in that moment, I wasn't worried about delivering it perfectly. I really just wanted to honor my grandmother. And I knew instinctively that everybody that was in the audience that day at her funeral, they were there to do the same thing. They were there to honor her, right? And so me and the audience, we had something in common. We had a common goal. And me sharing a bit of my story and my thoughts and my feelings with the audience helped the audience process what they were feeling. And in that moment, at 25 years old, delivering the eulogy at my grandmother's funeral for the first time gave me a taste of what it's really supposed to be like when you stand in front of an audience and speak. You're supposed to just connect with them on a really basic and human level and let all ideas about your performance go out the window. 
And what I learned from that experience is something that I that I say all the time now to the women that I get to help in terms of helping them uh, become a better speaker is that speaking isn't about your performance. It is about your willingness to make an impact. And so as I've gone on throughout my career, speaking has been a big priority. It's been a big role, I would say, that I have always welcomed. You know, anytime that someone would ask me to speak, I would say yes, and I would go speak. And that's how I got a lot of experience over the years is just by saying yes to those opportunities. Um, And one of the big opportunities that came my way, and this was just really a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, was actually right before COVID unfolded. And this was a talk that really opened my eyes to just exactly how powerful speaking can be. And I was invited to come and speak to a sales organization. They're uh, they're actually a network marketing company that sells pet products. And I was asked to speak um, to their leadership convention that was happening in Palm Springs in California. And so I flew out to California for the weekend and I gave a couple of talks um, to their audience, to their field of, of, of salespeople and talked to them about the power of storytelling and talked to them about the importance of sharing their story and getting visible and doing all of those things. And in doing that, um, I had the opportunity, number one, I had the opportunity to actually get paid as a speaker. So it was really nice because, you know, I got paid a a nice speaking fee to go out and do that talk. But it's really what happened after the talk that made the biggest impact on me. Because I decided that, well, since I'm here, going to sit here and talk with these people. And so after my talk was over, I didn't leave the building. I didn't go back to my hotel room, even though their conference was continuing. I decided to hang out and stay in the room. And find out more about what were they learning and where were they struggling and what sort of things, you know, did they, did they want to learn about storytelling? And so a lot of sideline conversations started happening that day as I hung out with this team of salespeople from this network marketing company. And, um, and I talked with them and, and I chatted with them and I ate lunch with them. And, you know, we talked further about some of the presentation material that I had given in my speech. And, and at the end of the conference, it became really, really clear that I could see a way in which I could help this organization further. I could help them beyond just the hour long talk that I had given that weekend. And so I went to the organization. I went to the leaders who had hired me to come and speak to begin with. And I, and I pitched them an idea. I said, you know, I've been talking to your field all weekend and there are some things that they're really struggling with that are beyond um, what I had the opportunity to speak on while I was here. But these are areas that I really think I could come in and help your team with. And so I pitched them an idea in which landed me a contract that was for $45,000. 
And they signed that contract. Ultimately, they ended up signing it for two years. So that was a $90,000 windfall to my business that allowed me to get into that company and work much deeper with their sales team over the course of the next two years. And this was in January of 2020. So a $90,000 contract was... um a pretty nice thing to have since we all know what was looming a few months later in 2020. And so that was a huge boost to my business at the time. And all of that came from one speaking engagement. And that was really the first time that I had ever leveraged or monetized a speaking engagement to that degree. And that really opened my eyes to, wow, you know, if I can make this happen out of one speaking engagement, what might happen if I actually pushed myself to do more of this? Like, how could I do more of this? Where else should I be speaking? What other organizations could I bring this talk into? And the biggest question I wanted to answer for myself was, how can I make this easy? Because I don't know about you, if you've done any public speaking ever before, or if you've done any kind of just, you know, speaking to small groups or whatever it may be, you know, for a lot of people, speaking can be very intimidating, just like it was for me when I first started out in my career, when I would get sent out for the television station to go speak in public, I was so intimidated because I thought that I needed to look a certain way. I thought I needed to sound a certain way. I thought my speech needed to be prepared, you know, some sort of magical, the speaker way. And I didn't know what any of those things were because I had never been trained as a public speaker. And not to mention, I was just nervous. Like I didn't want to mess up. And so sometimes the nerves would get the best of me. And so I know for a lot of people um, and especially a lot of business owners and leaders out there, you know, they're, they're not putting themselves out there as a speaker. They're not harnessing the opportunity to go and get in front of the rooms where some of their, their, the juiciest audiences hang out because we think speaking is complicated. We think it's hard. We think it's like, you know, only certain people hold the keys to that kingdom and the reality is that that's just not true. And so when I went on this excursion for myself to how can I get myself out there more, what I realized was in that moment, I was basically just sitting back and waiting for speaking opportunities to come to me. Like I said, over the years of my career, if people asked me to speak, I'd say, sure, I'll go speak. No problem. You know, tell me when, when to be there, what, what time to show up and I'll be there. But what I wasn't doing was I wasn't seeking additional opportunities to speak. I was waiting for them to fall into my lap. Right. And you know, what that was creating was just very inconsistent opportunities for me to go speak. But when I had that one speaking engagement that really opened my eyes to just the power of, of speaking and the opportunities that could come from it and the number of people that I could help as a result from going and speaking into those rooms, it really lit a fire into me to say, April, you need to be doing more of this. And so that's when I sat down, you guys have heard me talk about the speakeasy, 
This is literally how the speakeasy began was I decided, well, I need to write myself a plan. I need to get on, um, a w- figure out a way to truly make speaking easy and go do as much of it as I can. And so when I thought about it, I said, well, the very first thing that I need to do in order to make speaking easy is I need to be ready. I need to be ready for those speaking engagements. And the very first thing to get ready was I told myself, I've got to write a great keynote talk. I have to be ready. I don't want to wait to write the talk once I get booked. In order to be ready, I need to be ready now. And when you're ready, I trust me, that's when the floodgates are going to open. You know, you're signaling to the universe. I am a speaker and I am ready. I am ready to go and do this work. And I was intentional about it. I I did want more speaking opportunities. I wanted to go and ask for more opportunities to speak. I didn't want to just wait for those opportunities to fall into my lap. I wanted to flip the coin and I wanted to start to pull this lever in my business. And so the very first thing is, is I sat down and I wrote a keynote talk, an appropriate keynote talk, not a business presentation, not a webinar. This was like, I'm going to stand on a stage and I'm going to deliver um, a piece of my own thought leadership. And so the very next thing that I needed to do, I knew was like, okay, well, once you have the talk written, (laughs) You need to go back to exactly what you learned in the very beginning of my career, right? Which was you need to get out there and practice it as much as possible. So at this time, I didn't have any new speaking opportunities on my calendar. So the way that I practiced, 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 and practiced my talk was I literally sat right here at my computer and I would stand up in my office and I would get my video recorder on, or I would pull up zoom and hit record. And I would deliver this keynote address over and over again into, um, the video camera or into the computer. And then there were times that I would write things down on notes and I would try to peel away from my, my, my script. And I would go into the living room and I would record myself as if I'm standing in the room in front of an audience. And I practiced and practiced and practiced, just like I'm doing now by practicing this talk with you in preparation for this talk that I'm going to deliver this coming weekend. Practice is so key. When you've practiced and when you have your talk down, that is a whole nother level of readiness that is going to alleviate all those nerves. You're not going to be as worked up about your, your delivery because you're going to know what you're You've got a plan. You're going to know what you're going to say. You will have practiced it enough that it becomes quite familiar. And so practicing is so key. So that was the second stage of me really building out my own program, which was the speakeasy, because I was really trying to make speaking easy for me. I wanted to just be able to say yes and go and deliver with ease. And practicing was absolutely crucial to doing that. So once I had the keynote, once I had done a lot of practice, then the next logical step was like, well, I got to go find some speaking engagements because I'm no longer going to be the person that just sits back and waits 
for these magical speaking engagements to come to me and fall on my lap, I'm actually going to be intentional about going out and seeking them. And so I literally made a list of people that I knew in my sphere of influence that either had their own company, they were part of an organization, they were part of a conference that they ran or a networking group or events that they were putting on in our community, whatever it was. And I made a list of those people and I started making phone calls. I literally just started making asks like, hey, you know, I know you do this event every year. Have you filled all your speaker spots? You know, I'm really wanting to reach more people to teach them the power of storytelling. And I would love if this is a, if this is some content that would be beneficial to your audience at that event, I would love to be one of those speakers. And I just started asking, you know, I just started putting myself out there and making the ask. And I gave myself a goal to do 25, 25 talks in 25 weeks, which is pretty aggressive, but I felt like that's what it took in order for me to really get this flywheel running. Right. And so I just made myself a tracker on a simple Google sheet and I started tracking the, um, the ask that I was making. And then I started tracking the actual speaking engagements that I began to secure. And this was really the very, again, the very beginnings of this program that I now have called the speakeasy, because this is something we now do inside the speakeasy is we, we get everyone out there trying to book 25 talks in 25 weeks so that they can get their own flywheel working. And I give them the tracker, the very tracker that I use, I give it to them. And I say, start tracking because you're going to be amazed when you look back you know, after these 25 weeks, you're going to be amazed at how much your business has changed if you just do exactly what I say to do, which was exactly what I did. I just got out there and started talking. And so as I got out there and started talking, then it became very easy for me to actually build the assets that I needed as a speaker. You know, I've spoken over the years and I had some videos of me speaking, um, but I had never actually put those videos together in a proper speaker's reel, you know, like having a highlight reel of some of my talks. And so finally I had the video assets and I sent those off to an editor to get edited for a video. I got more photos of me speaking. I built my speaker sheet so that people could know the types of things that I talked about. So when I was calling and making those asks, I could shoot that speaker sheet over and say, here, take a look. You know, these are the things, these are the talks that I typically will speak on. This is the type of audience that I love to reach. This is really how I can serve your audience and things of that nature. And having those assets in place really made making those asks easier every time I put myself out there making those asks. You know, I had things in place that showed me as a legitimate speaker. Now, I have been speaking for years, but I didn't have any of this stuff in place in the beginning. And so over the course of putting myself through my own speakeasy, these were the things that I built. 
I even actually finally made it onto a page on my website where I now have a booking page on my website that talks about um, all the things that I do as a speaker. And so that just made promoting myself as a speaker uh, easier. And then as a result, it made getting additional speaking opportunities that much easier because that was the goal, right? I wanted to make speaking easy. And then I mentioned that I just simply tracked my results. And so for the first cycle of putting myself through the speakeasy, when I was kind of on the backside of those 25, those first 25 talks, I was able to go back through my tracker and actually pinpoint exactly real revenue that came into my business. Just like that talk that I shared with you earlier about netting, you know, $90,000 worth of revenue because I pitched myself as, you know, a, a contract to be able to come in to help this organization. I was able to do the same thing with other speaking engagements. I was able to land clients. I was able to get additional speaking opportunities from speaking engagements, and I was able to track my results. And I'll have you know that just in that first cycle of tracking my results, I was able to legitimately track $97,800 in additional revenue to my business. That is a crap ton of money. That is a big deal. That is a revenue that I did not have had I not gone out there and been intentional about speaking. It wasn't about my performance. It was about my willingness to make an impact. It was about going and sharing my story. It was about reaching an audience in person. It was about being in the room. And from those experiences, an additional $100,000 walked into my business. And that was just in the first round of my very own speakeasy. So yeah, you better believe I was pretty sold after that. And, and I haven't stopped. I am speaking as much as I can get my hands on. Um, and I'm teaching others to do that now too, through our program called the speakeasy. And that's really where it all came from. There is so much power in being able to share your story and stand in front of a room and speak and lead your particular um, thought leadership into the room and teach others what you have to share. And, you know, Gary V has this great quote and it, and he says, storytelling is by far the most underrated skill when it comes to business. And I couldn't agree more. I see so many really talented, um, business leaders and people who have extraordinary stories to share, but they're just not actually sharing the story. They're not using storytelling to, to really be the thing that helps them connect the most with their audience. It's just like I did before. Um, you know, in the very beginning of my career, I was trying to be perfectly polished. I was trying to um, deliver a talk a certain way, a way that I thought that a you know, a, a perfectly polished speaker would deliver a talk. And I was leaving out the most important part, which was the humanized version of my own story. And it wasn't until standing in my own grandmother's funeral, delivering the eulogy, sharing the story of the impact she had had on my life and the, the feeling of loss that I was feeling in that moment. It wasn't until sharing that type of story that I really understand the power that that had to connect me with that audience. 
It wasn't about my performance. Again, I was 25 years old. I can assure you (laughs) it was not my best performance, but what it was, was a really connected piece of storytelling. And the thing of it is, is that great stories are going to happen to those who can tell them. So I, I share this today with you to encourage you around two things. Number one, put storytelling at the center of what you do. Put storytelling at the center of all of your communication with the way that you connect with your own audience, the way that you connect with your own clientele. Um, allow storytelling to be the one that, that does all the heavy lifting with you. And then secondly, go out and share that story. Be intentional about finding the places to go and speak. Make speaking a priority. Because when you when you start adding more and more speaking into your into your calendar and you're looking for those opportunities to speak, you're gonna reach more people. You're gonna it's going to allow you to expand your impact in infinite ways. And for sure, you're gonna grow your income, you're gonna grow your influence, you're gonna grow your following, you're gonna grow your email list, you're gonna grow a lot of things, you're gonna grow in your own self-confidence, trust me. You're gonna get better as a speaker. I mean, the more and more and more I go out and do this, the better I get, you know. Am I, I'm still not a perfect speaker. I still have filler words and I, you know, I still stumble over my words sometime and I just don't care. I don't think it is about my performance. I really think it is about my passion. I think it's about my willingness to show up and serve. And that is why I keep putting these speaking engagements on my calendar is because number one, I get a big charge out of it because I get to go meet people and I do love people and I like meeting new people. But more importantly, I get to share with them something that I'm really passionate about and that I believe firmly that if they can just take a little bit away from me and they implement what I'm talking about, they're going to start to see a change in their life too. And I I think that's a win-win all the way around, right? And so I want you to think about, I just want you to think about your own AM radio. I want you to pretend that it's not about your performance. It's not about what you look like. It's not about even everyone knowing every little detail about you. But if you were just to call in to a radio station and share your story, what story would you share? What would be the thing that you feel like is the biggest impact that you could share? The biggest story that you could share that would allow you to make the biggest impact? Those are the stories that I encourage you to dig into as you step up as a storyteller and as you step out as a speaker. And as I always like to remind people, which is my whole philosophy behind light beamers is that truly when you share your story, you shine a light. And I don't know about you guys, but you know, the world is really hard right now. The world is dark. It's confusing. It's complicated. It's riddled with a lot of um, anger and divisiveness and obviously war. And the thing about storytelling and sharing your story is that storytelling allows you to connect with people in a way that will show you that you're actually more alike than you are different. Like I said, all those years ago, listening to the callers that called into the AM radio station, I didn't know their belief system. I didn't know the color of their skin. I didn't know their bank account. 
all I knew was what they were sharing with me in terms of their story. And in every single one of those stories, even at such a young age, I didn't even have life experience yet. But even at seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, I could feel a connection with these people because I could feel the emotion of their story. I have never forgotten that experience. And I hope that my me sharing these experiences with you today, that it will encourage you to go and share your story so that you can shine a light. I thank you for your time. And I thank you so much for listening to me as I practice this talk. Um, and I hope that you've learned something yourself from it. I hope that you've been encouraged as a podcast listener today to go and lean in deeper to your story and to get out of your own way and start finding ways to share that story publicly with other people. And yeah, go and speak it out into the world. All right, Light Beamers, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for this really fun behind the scenes, behind the scenes practice session of my talk, which now it's like you were in the room with me all along. So I appreciate you being here and I appreciate you listening. And as always, I hope that you've took something away from this that encourages you to go and share your story so you can shine a light. Go be a light beamer and I'll talk to you again next week. See ya. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.